0: You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It is Friday, August 18th, and it's the morning, and this is a special episode. No Bible chapter review, no question in the inbox because here's what happened. i got to talk about this. i got to talk about... We're going to call this one Google Willie McLaren. Because I just talked about Google Steve Flockhart. Because he's got a fake resume. And then the Willie McLaren story happens. And I said, I've, I've got to talk about it today. While the news is still fresh in people's minds. Because I don't know how long I'm going to be on this series about... Grave to Cradle, and you know me—I don't like to break into a series. When I'm doing a series, I have to do it in order. That's just how I am. So I thought, all right, this morning, I'll break out a special episode. So when did we do the Google Steve Flockhart thing? I mean, I feel like that was last week, maybe two or three shows ago. Google Steve Flockhart, and I wrote an article about it at Pull Pit and Pin. It was the last article I wrote. I think it's been within the last week. So what happens yesterday? Willie McLaren resigns as the president of the SBC executive committee because it was found out that the schools that his resume said he went to he did not graduate from there or in some cases even go there so it's not a matter of well he put a school on his resume and he it was like his degree was in process no no he didn't go <laughs> It, which is just I wish I could say it was unbelievable but it's not so let's back up a minute What is the SBC Executive Committee? The the Executive Committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. It is basically the management entity of the Southern Baptist Convention, the largest Protestant denomination in the United States. Okay. So just a little refresher for those of you guys who don't know. The Southern Baptist Convention only exists for two days out of the year. That is when the convention convenes in June of every year. And member churches send messengers to the convention. They basically convene a business meeting. Decide on what the SBC is going to do that year. And then they all go home. So who's running the shop Or I should say, who's minding the shop and running the show for the whole year, for the whole other 363 days? Well, it's basically the executive committee. So the Southern Baptist Convention has the International Mission Board, and it has its trustees that oversee it. The North American Mission Board. Godstone, which is sort of the Charles Schwab of the SBC. It's where you... uh, Preachers invest, and they their insurance comes through there. Sort of like a the you 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 probably around here we have this place called Fallon Benefits that I think uh, they they do benefits for a lot of companies and help them shop for their health insurance. It's sort of the sort of the Charles Schwab and Fallon Benefits of the SBC. And by the way, it, it supports itself. It's not an entity that's out there trying to save people or educate people. It's trying to manage money and insurance. Uh, for Southern Baptist Pastors. I used to have a Guidestone Life Insurance Policy. There's Lifeway, which is the bookstore, the media arm. Again, it supports itself through sales. (coughs) And then there's the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which is the lobbying arm of the SBC. It has offices in Nashville, In Washington, D.C. And somebody has to oversee all of this, and that's the executive committee. That's who's distributing the money around to the various entities. So when the the money comes into the Southern Baptist Convention, through the state conventions, the executive committee gets it. They take a little bit to operate uh, for themselves, and then they distribute the rest of it. So if you want to know who's in charge of the Southern Baptist Convention on any given day... It's the president of the executive committee. It's not the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, who is right now Bart Barber. The president of the Southern Baptist Convention has very little power most days of the year. I mean, they are a figurehead. They have the type of power a figurehead would have, like the Queen of England. Like if the Queen of England said something, it would be meaningful for England. But she's really a figurehead. The, the laws have to go through the government. So for two days, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention is very powerful because he's appointing the committee on committees. He appoints the people who appoint the people who decide who the trustees are of the entities. So he does have that power. But from a day-to-day basis, the person running things is the president of the executive committee. And that was Willie McLaren. And this is a very important job overseeing millions of dollars and the the day-to-day operations of the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't know why Willie McLaren was put in this job. I had never heard of him before, but he was. And the, the news story behind it was it was the first entity head who was black in the Southern Baptist Convention. There's never been a black seminary professor or uh, mission board president. This is the first black guy who's ever been in charge of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is a historic deal considering that in 1845 the Southern Baptist Convention was founded so that slave-owning missionaries could participate, whereas the Northern Baptists didn't want them to do that. So, okay. Having never heard of him, I didn't really pay much attention to him other than I knew the reason that Ronnie Floyd quit is because during the whole abuse investigation, dare I say witch hunt, the Southern Baptist law firm that they'd have had for 50 years, the executive committee's law firm, quit. And the reason it did is because... The committee, under pressure from the abuse hounds and the media, decided to waive attorney-client privilege for the for the executive committee. And the law firm was like, "This is a bad idea. We, you know, we don't want any part of it." And then people, when this happened, started resigning from the executive committee because you got to understand this. For the most part, this is a volunteer position. And you don't want to start getting sued for any number of things. Like, you guys got to understand this. You can get sued whether you did anything wrong or not. And we're a tort-happy, lawsuit-happy country. And these people who are just, you know, trying to vote on things and run... Uh, a Baptist denomination, don't want to get sued by every uh, Joe, Bob, and Sally whose youth minister molested them in 1982. And do you guys understand that the convention doesn't appoint pastors of churches? Individual churches call their own staff people. The the, the executive committee has nothing to do with it. So for all the Daryl Gilliards in the world... As, as popular as they may have been with Jerry Vines and Paige Patterson, the Executive Committee can't do a thing if somebody wants to hire Daryl Gilliard. It's not their not their fault. So when that happened, people started resigning, and one of the people who resigned was Ronnie Floyd. He was the president of the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. Now granted this is, I mean, I've never seen the number, but I think this is like a $500,000 a year type job. So if you get this job in Southern Baptist life, you have arrived, and you, of course, had to have to grease the right palms during your day and share the right revenue streams and sheep streams in your day to get this job. And Ronnie Floyd had done that. Ronnie Floyd was a mega church pastor. First Baptist Church, Springdale, Arkansas. Later changed to cross point or no cross church like with multi campus became the Southern Baptist Convention president interesting story behind his presidency he was nominated by Johnny Hunt and usually that's the guy who's next in line who you know with Hunt or Patterson or Vines or somebody like that says this is the next guy in the his, his turn in the cabal he's basically the chosen one and he always gets elected but it came out when he was nominated that his church was only giving like 1.4 percent, if memory serves, uh, of its budget to the cooperative program. And that's the cardinal sin. you got to buy your way in. you got to give to the CP. Now, granted, that was a lot of money. Because when you have a multi-site mega church, you're bringing in millions of dollars. So one percent is a lot more than X, Y, Z Backwoods Baptist Church gives over here. But it's a it's a percentage. So, you know, like the widow's mite who gave you know her penny and all that she had, and Jesus said like she gave more than this guy over here who gave out of his spare. Because you have churches who're <coughs> showing up to vote. You know they're in 5 10 percent of their budget to the cooperative program. So it was basically like Ronnie Floyd wanted to be the head SBC guy, but he didn't want to give. So he didn't get elected, and he was supposed to be the chosen one. He was the guy Johnny Hunt said, this is the man God has for the job. Doesn't my Johnny Hunt impression sounds a lot like my Joyce Meyer impression, come to think of it? Silo. Alright, so who won that election? This is interesting. It was Frank Page. Do you know who was the president of the Southern Baptist Executive Committee before Ronnie Floyd? It was Frank Page. How did Ronnie Floyd get the job? Well, Frank Page had to resign because he was having an affair. And I, don't, I can't remember if he felt guilty about it and just came out and resigned or if somebody had found out. I don't remember. I don't really know. But he was having an inappropriate relationship, a moral failing, so he resigned. Because, you, you know, he's not a pastor, but if you're the president of a denomination, a Christian denominations executive committee, or convention, it's not a denomination, you're cheating on your wife, you, you got to resign. All right. If he was the CEO of Amazon, he'd just have to give his wife half his money and move on with a hot girlfriend. That's not how it works in church world. So just keep this in mind. <clears throat> One guy had to resign because he was having an affair on his wife. <clears throat> the next guy was Ronnie Floyd. Now I don't fault him for resigning after they did all the attorney-client privilege stuff and re- removing it, and it was like because he could see it was a problem. But you gotta understand the character of Ronnie Floyd is a guy who when he was the SBC president had a photographer taking pictures of him praying. Like, look at me praying. Publish this picture. He went and preached at the International House of Prayer. And these people are nuts. <clears throat> and as I've said before on this show, Ronnie Floyd is literally a false prophet. He made a prophecy about a, an Amer- uh, a revival in America in his 1991 book, The power of prayer and fasting. It is 2023. Okay? He didn't say when it was going to happen. But he was like, God revealed to me that a revival's coming in America and I got to say, Ronnie Floyd, it's been 31 years. Where's the revival? Of course, that's from 1991, and everybody has forgotten it. And most Southern Baptists would have never known about it, except I read his book. I had to read his book for seminary. It was one of the ones I picked. It was it was my list of Southern Baptist muckety mucks. Here, buy one of their books for this spiritual formation class and think on it. Now, I remember reading that book and like Ronnie Floyd claiming that God's speaking to him while he's fasting. Of course, he's God's man. We're going, to have a, we're going to have a revival in America that, that transcends racial boundaries. And... It didn't happen. What's the Bible say about when people say there's prophecy that doesn't come true? Do not fear that man. He's a false prophet. Now somebody might argue, well, he, Seth, he didn't say when it was going to happen. Then why say it at all? As, you know, It's going to happen 500 years from now. I'm dead. Don't you think if you're writing a book, it's going to happen in the lifetime of the people reading that book that we can point back and say, oh, yeah. So Frank Page, adulterer, Ronnie Floyd, false prophet, and then we get Willie McLaren. I just got to say it. His qualification seems to be the color of his skin because it's good to look diverse especially when things are going bad and think about Willie McLaren like I didn't really know much about him he, he he's not of the mold of the typical SBC executive committee president not a mega church pastor not a former SBC president he was the pastor of a couple churches So I went and looked at his website, and I don't want to call it Mickey Mouse, but his phone number is on it. Like, you can call him and, like, email him. It's it's not like willymclaren.com. It's like willymclaren at (laughs) comcast.net. You know, like me, I'm Mickey Mouse. You can send your question to sethdun88 at gmail.com. There is no seth at christiancommute.com and contact me for speaking engagements. I don't have that. My website, actually, my domain just goes straight to the podcast website. So who am I to who am I to say somebody's got a Mickey Mouse website? And it, he was like, "I'm I'm a motivational. It looks like motivational speaker, leadership training. You, you know, you got a problem. You see, I'm a leadership trainer. I'm a motivational speaker. It's like I'm some guy who gets paid five thousand dollars for speeches. And these executive committee guys usually like look like they belong and I'm not talking about the color of his skin. I'm just 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 go Google a picture of him and you're going to be like, we put, "We put this guy in charge." He doesn't look like the slick part. And I'm not saying that you have to be slick looking to be a Christ, uh, Christian leader because I don't there's no biblical basis for that and quite frankly I think all these slick looking guys are are crooked and that's why they have to be so slick looking but he just he seemed to be different from the mold which I think would be a good thing But he said And I don't know if he went to college at all He said he went to Duke Divinity School and Hood Theological Seminary, now I've I never heard of Hood Theological Seminary, so I looked it up, and it's a, it's an AME se, uh, seminary, African Methodist Episcopal Church. So, I've never been to an AME church, but I, I've seen them around, it's, for lack of a better t- term, they're the black Methodists, because it's, it's the African Methodist Episcopal Church. So I, I guess it would make sense if you're black to go to the black church seminary. Okay. That doesn't that's not going to raise any eyes. Now I have to say this, just if you're a Baptist, why are you going to the Methodist Episcopal Seminary? Like that's that's a that's of the Wesleyan tradition, plus that denomination tends to be more liberal than the Southern Baptists who are conservative. Okay. Also, wherever he said he went for his undergrad, like North Carolina. It was like North Carolina State or North Carolina a and I don't remember, but he didn't go there either. <laughs> I don't think. His statement when he resigned is, My resume included schools that I did not graduate from or attend. So I don't know if he graduated from anywhere. And then he said he went to Duke. Now, put it just... Let's just hold on for a second and not think about that. Duke is liberal. Duke is a liberal divinity school. Hold that for a second. It's also another Methodist or Wesleyan divinity school. It's not not from a Baptist tradition. In today's mainline world, it, it... this doctrinal distinctives and denominational distinctives almost don't even matter anymore because now you have even Baptists like Ronnie Floyd changing the name of their church to Cross Point. It's not Baptist. This is Cross. This is Cross Church or Cross Point or Cross or Rock Point and Cross Bridge. Don't do anything but call it Baptists. Okay, you, we're gonna we're gonna downplay our doctrinal distinctives. This is very common, especially in this postmodern world that we're in. But it is of the Wesleyan tradition. Okay. Liberal Wesleyan, you're supposed to be a Baptist. Okay. But it's it's Duke. That is a prestigious private school. He could have made up any school. I don't think anybody would have cared. He, he could have said he, he could have said he went to Emory. I mean, that's the, I mean, he, he could have said he went to one of these made-up seminaries like Covington over here in in Fort Oglethorpe. Nobody would have cared. He's not. He's not applying to to be the president of Delta Airlines, but he said he went to Duke. They don't just let anybody in at Duke. It is an expensive private school. Somebody's like, Seth, your doctor went to Duke. Great. You know, (laughs) North Carolina is a state school. You know, Duke and North Carolina are rivals, but they they have excellent academic reputations. So for some reason, this guy said... I am going to put a super prestigious university on my resume and say I went there. (laughs) I went to the Divinity School at Duke. Forget that it's liberal and not Baptist. I don't think it was in Willie McLaren's life plans and expectations to become the president of the Southern Baptist Executive Committee. He was sort of the right guy at the right time. I think it kind of fell into his lap. He somehow got involved with the black side of Southern Baptist life. And there is a black side of Southern Baptist life. Because there's like the association of black Southern Baptist pastors. Sort of like the Congressional Black Caucus. Like you can be black in Congress, and then like, oh, you can go be in the, the Black Caucus. I don't know why they have that like why like we're all supposed to be trying to run the country together and sending our state representatives so the country's a better place for everybody and like we're gonna separate the blacks and the whites like why are y'all still doing that segregation now segregation then segregation forever I guess George Wallace would would love your black caucus but there's still this like segregation But it's it's an affinity group it's how people get together based on their affinities and try to take a leg up so I don't know when this guy made up his resume because he's you know he's got his you know email me at willie.net willie at (laughs) comcast.net president of the SBC at (sighs) comcast.net And then he gets into this... Now, he's the interim president. I should say that. He's the interim president, and I think it was discovered that he made up his credentials when he was being considered to become the full-time president. Because so like, Ronnie Floyd quit. It's a super important job. It's the kind of job they have to get some executive consulting firm to come in and decide, even though there's 86 trustees. And... And they make the decision based on that. So there was actually some guy, oh, Jared Wellman was his name, I think. I can't remember. And they considered him, and he did not get voted in. So now, all right, now we're going to consider Willie, the interim guy. And that's probably how they called him. Because I don't think when he was going to be a motivational leadership speaker at Greater New Fellowship, uh, Greater New Fellowship, LaQuisha Missionary Baptist Church, in the black neighborhood side of town, to talk, oh yeah, we gonna be leaders. You fathers, get up there and make a difference in your lives. You know, ooh, you know. And he was just going to give these bland leadership presentations. Nobody was like checking. You know, br- uh, Sister Clotilda in the back is not on her cell phone saying, "Well, let me look up Brother Willie to make sure he did go to Duke University." Nobody's doing that. Nobody's checking when he's on the preacher circuit so I mean this, this is a man who completely lacks integrity but nevertheless made a career in Baptist and church life I don't know if the man has any other marketable skills could he come to your office and get a job or my office and get a job I don't know Probably not. He probably didn't even go to college. If he wanted a job, he'd probably have to get a job like being a forklift driver, which you know what? That's a good, important job. When I worked in the accounting firm in the ivory tower in Buckhead and Dunwoody, okay, I never thought about fork truck drivers while I was doing people's taxes or going to audit government entities and in some cases churches or businesses. When I came to work at a factory, even when I started working from Georgia Pacific, I was like, wow, this is a factory. It's huge, and we're we're making all these heavy things that have to be moved around on fork trucks. We couldn't get stuff if it wasn't for fork truck drivers. Not a glamorous job, but I'm going to tell you this. Where I'm from and where I work, a good fork truck driver, that's gold. You want that guy who's dependable, who shows up, who's safe because those things are two tons. They might kill somebody if they turn the wrong way, okay? I've worked with some pretty good forklift drivers in my day. I'm going to mention Tommy Silvers. I worked for, with Tommy Silvers for seven years, and he never killed me once. He was good at his job, and I always appreciated him. He got the job done and was there on time, so I, I'm not trying to belittle fork truck drivers. That's a good job, a blue-collar job that can support your family and let you have a nice middle-class life. But you're never going to be, as a fork truck driver, you're not going to own or be the guy who owns his own condo in Panama City Beach who goes and gives speeches at the Ritz to have other people come up to hear you speak. You're just a regular Joe. It's a job anybody can get. It's not a job anybody can keep, but it's a job anybody can get, and it's not easy. That's the kind of job somebody like Willie McLaren, who's apparently grossly uneducated, would get. But if you're good at just talking and selling yourself to people, in church world, the sky is the limit. Just don't pull a Steve Flockhart. And I just think it's, it's hilarious, but in a sad way. That last week we're talking about Steve Flockhart and how he had the hubris to, to just make up his resume and become a leader of a ten thousand member church with a six figure job. And here's another guy who just made up his resume. Eric Cantor made up his backstory. Steve Lockhart made up his education. Willie McLaren made up his education. Makes it all the way to the most important man in the biggest, most influential Protestant denomination slash convention in the United States of America on lies he didn't even really need to tell. And I think it's sort of the Steve Flockhart things. When these guys finally get into some job where they check them out, somebody has to do a background check. What are you talking about? You didn't go to Duke. You know what? If I ever make up that I went to Duke, I'm going to go all out. I went to Duke. I have a, I have a master's degree in accounting from Duke because that's believable because I do have a master's degree in accounting. But not only do I have a master's degree of accounting, I walked on and played basketball for Coach K, and we won an, uh, an ACC and national championship while I was there getting my master's of accounting. That's what I did. And then I got a doctorate from Alabama, and I decided to play football. But I hurt my knee, so Nick Saban hired me to be an offensive analyst, and I was the one who helped Lane Kiffin turn Blake Sims into the the, the record-setting quarterback. I make up stuff all day. I mean, my gosh, if you're gonna make something up, go all out. I went, I went to Duke. <laughs> he didn't go to college. It's one thing if a guy went to, like, he looks like he got an undergraduate degree from Emory University. Which is considered the Harvard of the South. And then he's like, oh yeah, then I got my master's at Duke. Let's say somebody got an undergrad from Emory and then went to Duke for a year to get their master's and decided not to finish. But still put it on their resume anyway. Like, okay, that's not true, but it's not that much of a stretch. No, (laughs) I don't have a degree in anything, but I went to Duke. <laughs> but guys, what is to say about the state of the Southern Baptist Convention? Because you pew sitters, you really think your convention is like, that's where it's at. They're doing good. It's full of all these godly men. If it was, why, why is leadership so wicked? The last three top leaders you've had, Adulterer, false prophet, fraudster. Because when you obtain a $500,000 a year job by lying about your education, that's fraud. Fraud is an intentional material misstatement that is relied upon and causes damage. Those are the four requirements for fraud from your former accounting instructor but I guess once a teacher always a teacher I taught at private school you know what I taught at Oglethorpe University but instead you know what instead of being an adjunct instructor why don't I make myself an associate professor No no I wasn't a night school adjunct instructor let's make myself a a uh, let's make myself a full-time associate professor. Yeah, you know, I called them one time they had an opening. You know w- w- while I worked there and I sent my resume in and they wrote me an email back like yeah let's talk about it but the email went to my spam folder and then I saw it, I was like oh my gosh no it went my no like, I was interested in this job and I wrote it back and you hired anybody yet and they're like I'm, I'm sorry it went to my spam folder and I got to talking to um, well I guess my supervisor my boss down there and head of the head of the accounting department and she told me what the job paid and it was, I don't know, it was like fifteen or $20,000 less than what I made to be the controller at FieldTurf. And I was like, I, guys, I, I, I like to stand up and lecture and talk about abstract things. I would have loved to be a professor, but as Heath Slater famously said, I got kids. So I was like... Hey now, hey now Don't dream it's over now It was over The dream was over As much as I really loved my second job Of driving to Atlanta and teaching Teaching at Oglethorpe Where the cafeteria worker once looked at me And said, dang you was country I I Couldn't do it full time So there I was at the carpet mill Supporting my kids Alright (laughs) <laughs> so what, what am I now I, I, I have a PhD from Oglethorpe okay so you need to listen to me when I tell you about fraud <laughs> oh, I'm a published author from Oglethorpe you know no I, I was an adjunct instructor at Oglethorpe and, and Tennessee Temple University I do have those Baptist crits but then Tennessee Temple went out of business and they didn't want me to teach there anymore because I said something bad about Ergen Kanner. Well, I said something true about Ergen Kanner. Anyway. Adulterer, false prophet, fraudster. That's who rises to the top of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's who is, as Macho Man Randy Savage would say, the cream of the crop. Ooh, yeah. Google Macho Man Randy Savage Cream of the Crop It's a great promo He pulls out A thing of coffee creamer And he goes Ooh Cream of the Crop Gene Okerlund Yeah But that's who the Cream of the Crop Fraudster Adulterer False Prophet Yeah I wish I could just Cut a wrestling promo On all these guys and like, let me tell you something, brother. You're the worst of the worst. <laughs> oh yeah, the mega powers are going to tell you apart. These guys are going to have to stand before God someday, and somebody somewhere is saying, "Oh, you Pharisee, you're just, you are just—you know—they're they, going to go home justified." You thank you, God, that I'm not like all these fraudsters. Yeah, listen, I'm going to let out a little secret. Maybe some of you and even my coworkers don't know. I don't make a half million dollars a year. Okay. I'm not the guy in charge of this denomination. Nobody's saying Seth Dunn is God's man. I am just an ignominious podcaster trying to open the eyes of you pew sitters so that your lives at church are better and that through your better lives at church, the world is a better place, shed in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which the megachurch would hide under the bushel Of American commercialism. Okay? That's just who I am. I'm a sinner the same as Ronnie Floyd. Of course, I'm not a false prophet. I'm a sinner the same as Frank Page. Although I have not had an affair on my wife. I am... I mean, I'm not... Anybody could. It could happen to anybody. Alright? Maybe one day... I'm trying to be the president of some company. I'm like, well, why don't I say I have a doctorate from Kennesaw? You know what I mean? It could happen to anybody. We've all told lies. We've all looked at a woman with lust in our hearts. That's adultery. If you've never acted on it, okay? Let's be theologically grounded here. I don't think we've all been false prophets. That's pretty bad. I mean, that's like, all sin is bad. That's really, really bad. Wouldn't you expect in a holy, God-fearing convention that God-fearing men would rise to the top? <clears throat> but you don't. <coughs> you don't see that. So why do you continue to support it? And can I add this? I looked this up. International Business Machines, IBM, one of the most important complex country uh, companies in the history of the world, has 12 people. On its board of directors. Amazon. One of the most important companies in the everyday life of Americans. They, it seems like they bring stuff to my house every day. It's changed the way we shop. Changed the way we shop for goods and services. Changed the way we listen to music. Changed the way we watch TV. Through Amazon Prime. And they do all kind of business services y'all never heard of. Eleven members of the Board of Directors. All those billions and billions of dollar companies. Okay. Do you know how many members there are on the Executive Committee of the SBC, which has 30 employees? 30 employees. There are 86 members on that Executive Committee. Sort of the Board of Directors. 86. Do you know why these big corporations... Don't have 86 members of the board of directors. One, it's hard to find 86 qualified people to do something that important. Two, nothing would ever get done trying to get 86 people, or at least half of 86 people, to agree on something. It is a bloated bureaucracy. Guys... I mean, there's only 100 senators in the United States. And the United States of America, which is the biggest, most powerful, most important country in the history of the world. We got 100 senators. And, I mean, the, the, member, uh, the members of Congress vary. It's between four and 500 right now, I think. But it takes 86 members to run the Southern Baptist. 86? And guys, it's like that all over the SBC. NAM has as many trustees. It's all about people getting these nominal positions of honor. Like, look at me. I'm a trustee. And then there's 86 of you guys, and no one individual guy can make a difference. Look at what they're doing at Southwestern. There's two guys trying to be the whistleblowers and say, we need a forensic audit. And they won't do it. Look at Tom Tom Rush. That Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. So we got critical race theory going on. Don't you dare say anything negative, Tom. And through bu- bureaucracy and incompetence, who rises to the top but wicked, wicked men and they're phony? From Willie McLaren to Steve Flockhart, they're a bunch of phonies. And if you think that guy in your pulpit Who has 1,400 different SBC things on his resume. Who's angling to be the next denominational guy. If you think he's not phony, you could be wrong. Now, I like to make a lot of allusions to wrestling. Here's one more about all this. You can, if, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. If you can, without Googling, tell me who I got this quote from, you, you win a book. right sethdunn eight at gmail.com and tell me whose catchphrase this is. And I'll send you a book, but you can't Google. i said all this bad stuff about the SBC, how wicked the leadership is, how seemingly phony you have to be to rise through the ranks. I think it's, it's a white, whitewash too. Okay, not in the same way the Pharisees were, but I think it's a whitewash too. I could be wrong, but I doubt it. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute, Lord willing. I'll be back with you again this afternoon. As always, God bless. And as always, remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.